It sounds offensive. It, not like anything anybody would want done to them. I mean, the metaphor is ghastly. Pick your brain. It's like the scene from the movie where they open up your head and they yeah. get in there with a knife and fork. Why would you want anything picked, right? A scab, a nose, like nothing you pick ends up being enjoyable. <laughs> Don't pick at that. No good comes from it. It's something we all grew up knowing. Don't pick at that. <laughs> <laughs> this is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Schramko. Helping you build your business super fast. James Trapko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 713, and I'm chatting with my good friend, Kevin Rogers. Hey, Kevin. Hello, James. I got to tell you, I listen to your podcast so much and for so long. I get that celebrity effect when I hear you do that intro. (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like, wow. I'm on that show I love. Uh, I don't. I've been listening to all my episodes and I don't get it at all. <laughs> it's just me. You're special. You're special to the world, my friend. You've been pretty busy over there. I've seen you've been publishing your own podcast and putting extracts from Copy Chief Live. Of course, you're famous from having copychief.com. And I don't know if it's just me, but lately I've been picking up this huge theme of copywriting. It's just everywhere. It's become important for some reason. I think maybe people had some quick wins on social media. And now as the market's all sort of commoditized, the edge is having good copy and having good stories. And I'd love to see what you think as a veteran copywriter. What's your perception of what's happening in the marketplace? Has there been any changes that you've observed over the last 10 years? Yeah, actually in 10 years for sure. And I think, but even more so in the last year or two, I think the reason people are more excited about copy is it's kind of redefined itself in our world of direct response. It used to be there were very set ways to do things. And a lot of people were uncomfortable with the things that you supposedly had to do to sell with copy. And now because of social media and the different types of conversation that we experience every day, think about it, James. Every year, more and more, it becomes part of our lives, right? And we're just used to communicating a certain way. Uh, Shorter, we communicate different ways in different platforms. You wouldn't talk to me the same way in email necessarily as you would in a Facebook comment. And so it's more challenging in some ways. It's more instinctive. And so I think we're more comfortable communicating in general with words and text And things that work better today are things we're more naturally inclined to be good at, like sharing our stories, sharing parts of our lives, and getting to see it almost in real time, the kind of reactions those kinds of copy are getting as opposed to the old, more formal ways of writing copy. I'm thinking of uh, resources like the Gary Albert letter, and he used to share stories about his personal life. He might have been well-suited to social media if he were marketing today. Oh, man, yeah, for sure. People would be really glued to what's happening. But I can think of a couple of things that might have changed in the last few years. One is segmentation. It's definitely been more mainstream now where you can have a much more targeted conversation, whether it starts with a quiz or a survey chooser. That's like the basic type of segmentation where you're sending people down the right path from the early stages. Or then there's the other kind of segmentation, which you've seen on documentaries like The Great Hack, the way that politics is being run now, where Mm. they can run micro campaigns in different regions, where people in those regions are only seeing their experience of messaging, and it's super hyper relevant for them. But it might be completely different to what someone in the other part of the exact same country is receiving. So the segmentation is number one. 
it's most definitely become more mainstream. I'm using segmentation because I want to have a relevant conversation with people at the right stage. Of course, we've got technology backing that up now. We can use behavioral email sequences, uh, which again, it's a lot more complicated in how it works compared to, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago. Not as many people were using segmentation plus behavioral based triggers. And then the other thing that I think is different is, you know, when I started online, it was really just sales pages where as a copywriter, you had to guess all the possible objections and you had to have the whole conversation in that one piece of dialogue. Whereas now with social media and also Dean Jackson's method of the nine-word email, we're now finding a lot of emails conversational-based and a lot of social media, especially chatbots and chatting has become a two-way street. So now you don't have to cover the whole enchilada in one document. You can start the conversation and then it can be responsive and dynamic based on what happens next. So I think that's the main change that I've observed in the last few years. I love that. That's very accurate. And, you know, things like within those conversations, tools you can have, for instance, and we, James, just sold out a coaching program, 50 seats at $1,000 and did it all through conversations. We did have the traditional things, a sales page and all that stuff, but primarily those new members were welcomed aboard through a email conversation sequence. And what that allows you to do is two things. Number one, you're constantly in dialogue, so you're constantly getting updated research and better understanding of what people need, what their hesitations are, what their objections are. And so you can update the copy in real time. The other thing is you had Brian McCarthy on recently who does the case studies, right? Yeah. And so we have several case studies from Brian and we can send in a link, a page to the most relevant case study we have depending on that person's situation. And so now suddenly because copy is much more of a conversation than like you said, it used to be completely one-sided, take it or leave it. Now we can adjust and make use of our resources in ways that we never could before. It's really getting closer to what would happen in a real live human to human sales conversation. And I'm casting my mind back to when I sold for a living. And it was, well, when my business card said sales, okay, I want to clarify that we all sell, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whether we know it or not. But when I was having those human conversations, of course, I would pull out the most relevant case study. We actually had, and we were trained on having an evidence manual in the Mercedes-Benz dealership. And in that evidence manual was every piece of information or resource that would defend against all the other competitor models that would show any awards our product had won and uh, any sort of research or science that came from the factory and crash tests, etc. It was in our evidence manual and we would leaf to the page that was most relevant. I think when you're having a, a messaging back and forth with a potential candidate for your program and you send them the exact case study that will help them place themselves in that scenario and see that they could be better off and therefore in a great position to move forward, then that's a perfect simulation of what would happen if you had the ability to to sit down with each person over coffee at at a table. Yeah, 100%. And the other thing we've seen is when you approach even cold traffic ads from that point of view of having a conversation. So for instance, opening the ad with a line of dialogue. That's another way that we've seen be really effective. It helps with compliance issues. It helps with nurturing. And again, it's the way people prefer to communicate rather than being yelled at. So with that way that people like to communicate, we're seeing a lot of banter 
I've had an interesting relationship with social media. I've never wanted to engage people with those dumb posts like, you know, what superhero would you be or whatever. Like they're clearly a manipulation to trigger algorithms. And mm -hmm. I've always wondered why can't people see that and why don't they hate the person that posts them and say, like, you're just using me as algorithm fodder. Mm. I haven't understood it. The same as like, you know, post a word below this post to trigger my autobot. Where do you think the line is in authenticity for that? Or like people in our market, are they just so hardened now and so exposed to it, they just don't care or they don't know? What do you think? That's interesting. I think it's a little of both. I think if it depends on the source, right? If I'm on Instagram and I see James Shramko asking me a general question that doesn't feel like it's to lead me down a sales path and I like James Shramko... And I'm going to hit that little button, yes or no, or something, or get to type in my thoughts. I've seen my friend's kids doing that on Instagram sometimes. Oh, and yeah. I think this is genius. They don't even know they're in a market. This is marketing, really, you know. That would be the definition of authentic. I see my little niece yeah. posting those surveys. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that she's part of my R&D team. I follow my niece and I see what she's doing and, and what a kid in high school is doing on social media is authentic. Right. And they're using it the way that it probably is supposed to be used by normal humans, not manipulative marketer types. Right. Yeah. And what are they doing? They're talking about their day, how a lot about their feelings, how they feel. And I think the other thing we have to remember is, and we forget this as business owners, as entrepreneurs, because we're overwhelmed and we're in conversation every day, like we're having right now. We've got all these meetings booked, but most people are lonely and they don't have enough people in their life to talk to that they feel like really understand them. And so when you ask somebody like that, again, especially if they like you and feel like they have something of a relationship with you, you ask them a question, they're inclined to answer because they want to be in dialogue. It feels good. Yeah. I asked people recently, um, what's the best documentary they've ever watched? And I genuinely love documentaries. I watch lots of documentaries. It's my favorite media consumption. I don't even listen to podcasts, which surprises some of my podcast listeners. Documentaries I find really educational and I'm fascinated by the art process of it as well. And I got a meltdown of responses. It was just like wildly. It's the kind of thing that people do to trigger the algorithm if they want to beef up their social sphere. But I guess I accidentally triggered the same result, but with an authentic question. I imagine, and I've seen actually I've, off the back of that post, I've had some private conversations with some of the people who posted who, uh, you know, have not connected for a while. And now we're going to record some podcasts. We have some little private chats back and forth. Some people who I haven't really had a good private chat to for five, six, seven, eight, nine years. So mm. it can be such a powerful medium for connection. And I think if you do it right, and I saw something today that I thought was really good. I saw Gary V posted a live video and in the top right corner, it said pre-recorded. Hmm. And I liked that because he's not saying I'm live right now. I'm not pretending to be live. This was recorded at a previous date, but I'm streaming it live and he's taking advantage of the fact that it's going to get shared a lot more because it notifies people that Gary Vee's live. Mm. So, he's cleverly using the platform, but in a way that has integrity yeah. compared to the way that some people use it. I think that's the next wave for me is how are people using social media? Is it trickery and fakery? Or is it clever and is it with integrity? I think that's the next stage. I think we're going to be harsher critics mm -hmm. of how we're being treated in the same way that a screaming red letter headline, no player control VSL or video sales letter for anyone who doesn't know what that means. 
is almost offensive these days. You know, yeah. I just sat through one the other day, yesterday, to watch it. Mm. And this guy's been doing the same thing for the last 10 years, making these casual video sales letters with dog ugly black and white slides, no player controls, and just jamming people to it like a puppy mill, just over and over and over. And I think the tolerance is going to wear out for that stuff. And I think we want real stories and uh, a more authentic approach. 100%. And guess who else wants that and demands that? The customer. Uh, the platforms. No, the platforms themselves. Right. They're pretty fussy, aren't they? They're starting to yeah. to block and ban and remove people who they feel are, are not playing the game that they want to play. Right. And so Facebook, for instance, is judging you on how people engage with your ad. If people are reporting your ad as, you know, I don't want to see any more of this, this, you know, I don't know if you're running as much cold traffic, James, but it's been really interesting this year to look at people who will get angry at you for being in their newsfeed. And you want to say, do you not understand how this works on Facebook? But you can't just disregard that some people are ignorant to how Facebook makes money, that they're showing you ads and, hey, sorry you were targeted, but that's the algorithm's fault, not mine. And now you engaging with the ad is only making it happen more. So this is not helping, right? But the reality is if people are reporting your ad as annoying, Facebook is seeing that and saying, you need to do a better job of communicating the way people communicate on this platform, not like an advertiser. It's one of the reasons I stopped running paid ads about five or six years ago. I uh, Well, two reasons. One is the agency who was running them, all of their accounts got shut down. So mm -hmm. my account got shut down along with everyone else's for no particular reason. I think maybe it's like the tax department when they find a bad accountant, they just go and audit everyone the accountant's been dealing with. I think some of the other people in that agency were doing bad things and I got taken out. But I also didn't like the negative comments. Want to log on to Facebook and see people, you know, swearing in caps at my ad. <laughs> yeah. And in hindsight, you know, maybe those ads were not as relevant as they could be. And I think the platforms are right to be fussy and to demand yeah. a good experience because that's the key to longevity. If they don't, someone else will provide a better experience right. and they'll be done. And have a look how successful Google is with their search engine market share by, you know, the whole SEO game has been a tightly held game from their point of view. They never published the rules they have been vigilant at booting and de-indexing and penalizing manipulative websites, and they've got a pretty good result. I use Google a lot, actually, as a research tool. And we are, especially now with voice-controlled machines, accessing search engines all the time. So I think it's good that they're having a relevant platform, but it's bad if you're playing a short-term game or you're trying to trick the platforms. That's a losing bet. 100%. Yeah. You cannot outsmart Facebook. I was just at a mastermind with a lot of our mutual friends this weekend, Todd Brown, Todd Herman, and a lot of very smart marketers. Basically anyone called Todd. <laughs> anyone, it was the Todd Fest really is what it was. <laughs> Todd Fest. <laughs> and uh, that was the overriding theme is that you will not out trick them. For instance, the worst thing you can do is if you have an ad band is to delete the ad and just put up a new ad or people who think they can delete accounts and open new accounts under other emails and things. They are not going to risk the user experience, like you said, to be manipulated by some, you know, guys in basements. Unless you're Russian, apparently. That, that still works, but... <laughs> 
But uh, you got play, know the rules and play by the rules. It, it is very aggravating to have ads disapproved and not know exactly why. But um, if you learn to communicate on those platforms in a way that gets engagement and apply that to your ads, going back to what we said up top, why is copywriting more embraced and embraced in a new way than it was before? It's for that reason. It's like, we know what we like, and if we just do that and talk to people how they seem to like to be talked to and how we like to be talked to, that's what wins now, and that's refreshing. Well, I think the big difference between having pro-level copy and not is the fundamentals, and you're the expert on this, so please step in if I put a foot wrong here, but it really, the foundation of it is research. Yes. Before you're communicating anything, you have to get in there and understand everything about your prospect, about their pains, about their challenges, how they feel, all the things they've tried, where they've failed, what they're thinking. And that's the starting point before you communicate with them, right? Yes. So it gives you a better chance of being relevant and having a message that lands, which coincidentally can result in more sales. So what I have seen lately, and we're definitely doing this in my team, in the last team meeting we had, the whole team meeting was copywriting training. Mm. And uh, you would have got a lot of material for your comedy routine hearing me (laughs) teach my team copy. But the point is, you know, regular content publishing businesses are engaging copywriters for their emails, for their show notes. I'm getting approached by show note creators all the time these days. Mm. Their blog post titles, obviously their ads should be written with copy in mind, but their email sequences, like every part of the business that goes public should have someone who's trained in copywriting to attend to that, whether it's internally or contract externally. And I think that's where you've probably seen changes with copychief.com, the type of people who use it, because you've got two types of people who predominantly come in there, haven't you? You've got the freelancer who wants to be a copywriter, and you've got the business owner who wants a copywriter. Right. They're the two main types. Yeah. And what you said is you're preaching the word right here, dialogue. I always say that the most valuable thing you can have as a business owner or a marketer of any kind is a dialogue with your audience because both parties need that as the first thing. So if you're wanting to bring a copywriter into your life and you say, well, how will I know if the copy's good? How do I know I'm hiring the right person? All these scary things. One thing you need to hand them is dialogue with your audience. And that is what I call, you know, copy porn to a copywriter, it's, uh, you know, if we can see exactly in the words of the prospect what they're concerned about, what they're hung up on, then we can solve the problems, right? We can turn every objection into a benefit-driven subhead throughout the copy and keep the conversation going and do all kinds of powerful things. So as a business owner, as a marketer, use social media, use surveys, any way you can get that deep dialogue with your audience. And of course, engage them back and forth and you can make sales that way, but keep a log of these things. So for instance, James, I mentioned the program we just sold out all through email. So back and forth. So what I do after that is I take all that dialogue and I put it into a single document. We had 25 pages of just their replies. And then I take that and I'll like put it into a word cloud to see what are the most common terms Man, it's so useful. It becomes like our Bible for that product. And again, this isn't for manipulation. It's for understanding. You know, the old thing, James, in uh, 
copy was when it comes to your customer avatar, you should know them well enough so they can sit across from you and you could look them in the eye and you need to write the copy as if you're talking just to them. Well, that's, of course, still true. But the difference is now you don't have to guess or make that up in your head. It's not a fantasy exercise. You can do it in real time every single day. Right. I love the tag crowd tip. I picked that up from Ryan Levesque's course where you take a whole bunch of data and stick it into this tool and it shows you what the common themes are. Yeah. And the main point he was making when he taught that to me was that sometimes your audience use a particular word. A, a classic example is my old industry. In Australia, we use the word car and in the USA, they use the word auto. You know, So same thing, but a different term, vastly different conversation you're going to have. Right. I think one thing you've mentioned to me before is that the business owner is in a great position to be a good copywriter for their own business because obviously they've had the most dialogue. Yep. They're across it. Someone like me, I'm speaking to my clients every day in a forum. I attend local meetups every month. I travel around the world and meet people in their own home turf. I was over in St. Pete's where you are nearby, yep. meeting your audience, like really understanding. And, and they draw out of the crowd, like Patrick in your audience and my audience, you know, he came and approached me, yep. came on our show, talked about video sales scripts. He's brilliant. Yeah, Go out to the front line and meet those people. You get the dialogue. So how can we take that golden dialogue information that we have as a business owner and either use that directly or parlay that to our team. What's a good technique? Yeah. Well, you can be technical about it. So you just want to gather that information and make it available. So one thing you could do, and you're right, this really does a lot of it come from Ryan Levesque. I think Ryan really nailed it. The most powerful part of Ask for me as a copywriter was that deep dive survey, right? And yeah. under and really reading through those responses. So one thing that's more technical that we created was a way to take dialogue, pull out the most common pain point phrases, right? And then we created a standard headline formula that would go at the top of any sales page and show you how to put those keywords and phrases into the headline to where now you have a proven headline formula and you're speaking the, using the exact words of your customer. And then we can take that same thing and show you how to apply it to 50 different headline formulas, right? right. And so what's interesting about this, and that's a tool we have inside of Copy Chief. Yeah, logging in with the team straight after this podcast. <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. That's exactly what we're talking about, how we record a podcast like this. We need to connect with our audience when we distribute that information. I, mean, I literally just opened an email this morning that said, James, I love your content. I'm just not opening your emails, so I'm going to unsubscribe. And uh, it's like, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. Hopefully, you can pick up the feed on iTunes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I had a better headline, I've, you know, my question to myself is what could I have done to assist these emails being opened? And we have a really good open rate as it is. You know, it's already yeah. like in the 20-something percentile, mm. which I think is pretty good for a house list. Yeah. And I'd love to connect more with my audience if they're the right prospects. So I'm definitely going to go into Copy Chief uh, and find that resource. What do you call it in there? Called the, uh, the Survey Copy Generator. Survey Copy Generator. So once you've done it, yeah, survey or collected, a more accurate title, we should update it to be the Dialogue Generated copy machine or something because it's just about collecting that dialogue and then what do you do with it that's a people understand the concept of these conversations are valuable but when you actually create a process 
for what to do with that, put it into a generator that spits out headlines for you, for instance. And you know, what's interesting about this, James, is we keep hearing this other question I get asked a lot these days is, well, what about these copywriting robots that IBM is creating and these other people are creating? And look, there's some legitimacy to the idea that they could take, for instance, a process like I just described to you and put it through that machine way faster than we ever could, right? But here's the difference. The human element is what gets real dialogue from people. Again, the reason they open up and a person would send you a letter like that, most people would just unsubscribe, say, get out of my inbox. I'm not reading this anymore. They thought enough of you to say, James, just want to let you know I'm leaving the relationship. Yeah, I imagine he's sensitive and he would think that I'd look at my unsubscribes and be deeply hurt by someone leaving, you know. Which I do actually care. I do care about my subscribers and I am genuinely curious. And yeah. anytime someone leaves my coaching membership, I always ask them, how can I improve? Right. Same here. Yeah. You know, and I start the dialogue because I want to make sure I close that hole in the bucket. If there's something that is within my power to change, and the reality is quite a lot of the time I can't yeah. change, you know, I can't change that uh, their family house burnt down or whatever. Like that's beyond my scope. And that's, there's a lot of that happening lately. Mm. But if it's something I can change, I want to know. And it's hard throwing yourself out there and being open to feedback, but it's also the pathway forward. And I think this, I probably resisted that a little bit earlier on and because you have to have this balance of unmesswithable confidence. Like yeah. you have to be so confident when you start out to push through all the backward steps that are coming your way yeah. as you're trying to forge right. your line. But once you get there, it's about not being cocky, not being conceited, not being arrogant, not being ignorant. Right. And about genuinely caring about the customer being better off. If, right. if that was a core driver for most business owners, mm. we'd have a great environment out there. Right. And Facebook would have no problem with what we're doing or, or, <laughs> uh, and you know, going, going back to those comments you said about taking the ads down and made you uncomfortable. I totally get that. Yeah. But you know, I'm, what I've noticed after a while of doing this now, because those comments are actually really valuable, the good ones, you get a lot of good ones along with the, the trolls. And that really helps the value of an ad over time, of course, right? To have that dialogue. So what I've done is some of them just need to be deleted. I, I literally have a guy now who's spamming my ads with nonsensical words. It almost sounds like Muppet speak. They don't even make sense. And he and he'll spend 20 minutes just doing one after the other. I, I can't imagine what his motivation is. Maybe it's a robot targeting your ads. It, it's possible. You look at their profile and who knows how real those things are. But other times people will make a sarcastic comment. For instance, one of the things in my ad says, you know, I'm a copywriter who's helped my clients earn over a hundred million dollars with my copy. And people love to go, that's ridiculous. If you had a hundred million dollars, why do you sell an $8 ebook, you idiot? And I'm like, ah, I got I saw that ad. I it, saw that. It's a heckle, right? And I say, as a comedian, I say, I'll make a video and I'll explain. I'll say, that's a really great question. And I can see where you'd find that odd. Let me explain to you how business works. I did not collect a hundred million dollars or no, you would not be seeing me in this, but you know, I want to grow a business and just kindly sort of explain it to them and, and have fun. Sort of that jujitsu, uh, judo, yes. And improv idea. I've had more people like those videos when I call people out or explain it to them, it shows that there's a whole other audience that are seeing that that might have had the same question and go, I wouldn't have been as much as an a-hole as this other person to call it out and, and be mean about it. But I was curious how you were saying that. So 
again, there's always advantages in the dialogue. If you don't take yourself too seriously, if you try to get to the core of why is this person upset or why would they find that offensive? Maybe they're jealous. Maybe they've struggled. Maybe they're and again, be human. That's what the computers can't do. They can't generate that kind of dialogue because they can't fake human to human interaction. And so, yes, they'll be faster, but we'll always be better because so far we're still human. Right. You know, it's great feedback about the comments. So one of my most shared LinkedIn videos uh, was about an unfavorite phrase of mine where people want to pick your brain. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, I made a video about how it's not a great phrase and I gave a few ways to get out of that. And someone posted, you know, oh, I'm really disheartened to see this, you know, business is about meeting with people and interchanging and interacting. I'm like, hey, look, don't be upset about it. Like if you like doing interactions and the phrase, I want to pick your brain doesn't upset you, <laughs> then go for it. I'm not sort of stepping in way of your enjoyment. I'm just at that point where I've had one too many people ask if they could pick my brain. If they approach me differently, I'll catch up with them. I, I met a friend of mine in a local coffee shop the other day, which is very rare. However, his approach was unquestionably excellent. Yeah. And it was uh, polite. It was value-driven. It was appealing. Uh, after the meeting, this is what he did. He was very kind. He actually talked about it in the next email broadcast that he put out to his entire database. So, it was uh, an unexpected sort of hat tip, which was nice. But when they're done with the right intention, it's good. But the comment let me realize, hang on, I might not have explained what I'm trying to explain as, as well as possible. I was really right. having a go at the approach, not the concept of face-to-face. -face. I mean, mm. I get away from my desk more than most online marketers, actually. Yeah. I do travel around. I do go to meetups. I do meet people all the time. I just don't like that particular phrase. I think it could be much more elegantly put. Yes. Uh, and, you know, led with value, not right. a take. It sounds offensive. It not like anything anybody would want done to them. I mean, the metaphor is ghastly. Pick your brain. It's like the scene from the movie where they open up your head and they yeah. get in there with a knife and fork. Why would you want anything picked, right? A scab, a nose, like nothing you pick ends up being enjoyable. <laughs> Don't pick at that. No good comes from it. It's something we all grew up knowing. Don't pick at that. <laughs> but, you know, quickly going back to that experience with your colleague locally there, I bet the other person thing that that person did uh, that won you over was show that they were paying attention to what you do and some of this stuff. Like they're plugged into your material is my guess. And I know you get this a lot, like I do, James, people requesting to be on your podcast, right? Oh, God, we get 10 a day. And it, and it's it's actually that someone's got a template out there that yeah. sucks. And it's like, right. I really enjoyed the episode with you and Kevin where you were talking about copywriting. Right. We do copywriting in our business and, uh, you know, my boss, blah, 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 asked if I uh, could get in touch with you and uh, he'd love to come on your show and share bullet, 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 bullet. Right. Let us know if we'd like to schedule that. Yeah. Pretty much that's the template. That, right. Exactly. So we both get tons of those. And it's a quick delete because we don't want to have a cookie cutter conversation. We don't want to bring on a person we've never met who's there to pitch their agenda and yeah. give canned answers. This is not a soapbox. Right. You know, I've got interviews uh, scheduled quite some time and they're very organic. Like this interview came about from you and I having a, a regular call. We meet every couple of weeks, chat about business and the stuff you're talking to me about what you're doing in your business and what I'm doing in my business, it came together as a symphony of some sorts. And I said, Kevin, we should share this information with my audience because it's critical 
like I'm seeing that's probably the biggest change. You know, I haven't published uh, what we did in 2019 brag post this year. It was actually too good a year and, mm. and, uh, I just wanted to keep it to myself. <laughs> and then, no, seriously, like it seems like everyone's had a bad year last year for some reason. Mm. Yeah. Except for you and everyone I coach, but I started seeing that too. I don't quite understand why people feel that way, but I didn't understand why either. It's just an absolutely stellar, stellar year on every front. Anyway. Copywriting is a big thing for us. I'm re-engaging in Copy Chief. I came to your event. I loved your event. It was a fantastic event. It's a strong recommend for me. It's actually the only event I went to in the USA in 2019, and it was well worth the gigantuan effort, like Mm -hmm. gargantuan. Gargantuan, yeah. Take your pick. Something with Anshuan. Yeah, you're the copywriter. <laughs> You'd probably go and someone will look that up and tell me. Put a, <laughs> put a comment and I'll take the feedback. And then they'll tell you why they should be in your podcast to clarify it for you. <laughs> yeah. I love that episode with you and Kevin where you were talking about Gargantuan. <laughs> it actually comes from the root word. At least we know they're listening. They've listened to a whole 37 minutes. So. <laughs> but uh, thank you for that. It was amazing having you there. Yeah, it's a big theme. It's a big theme in 2020 for us uh, is to get our message right because we want to be more relevant. We want to have appeal. So I'm having the team in discussion with this on an ongoing basis. I noticed the very first publishing opportunity that came straight after our meeting was our internal weekly newsletter. And we did a training last week. And in the next uh, weekly newsletter that comes to our members, um, we send one each week, which is a big retention tip for anyone who has a subscription business. And instead of just saying, oh, if you missed a training, it's here. Now they're like, oh, last week we did training on the you know, the topic and they put the headline of the thing and they said, in the training, we did bullet, 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 bullet. You know, and then it's like, you can go and get the copy here. So they really sold it. And I think that would help someone who's on the newsletter, who is a member and paying for membership, but didn't attend the training. It would actually engage them in wanting to come and yeah. attend that training replay because it was a really valuable training, but they sold it better. And Mm. we've been sitting on assets. We've been sitting on data and dialogue. Like most business owners, we've been guilty of collecting all this information, but not parlaying it in the best possible way out to the marketplace. That's right. And that's what- That's good. uh, That's what we're- picking up and yeah. with your help as well and I love your inspiration it. and some of these tools that you have. Yeah, clarity. And again, if knowing what they care about, what's going to resonate with them. So you have your agenda for a great piece of content, but you and I have the advantage of running uh, communities, forums, very active where people are telling us what they took from it. And it can be very eye-opening sometimes. We could generate so much stuff. I mean, we publish a couple of podcasts a week. Most people would kill for that amount of stuff. And then, you know, we publish it and then move on to the next one. So the last time I did a podcast, well, I noticed one had come out that I'd already pre-recorded. I hopped onto my phone and I talked about the podcast that we've just published and why you'd want to watch it. And I put it on my social media. So just being a little more aware of how we can let people know about what we've got is the theme for us because we've got all the assets we need to have a business that's performing at twice the size we're performing. And all we have to do is just explain it better. That's a great point. Clarity is king. That's another great copy tip we can leave everyone with is that clarity trumps conversion always. Or I should say a better way to say it is clarity trumps persuasion. I guess conversion still matters. Is there a way to say it without using the word trump anywhere in that sentence? I wish there was. It's more important than you just have to add so many words. But I know that word is... Beats. Word is soured for eternity. <laughs> card <laughs> games are ruined. So many card games are now ruined. <laughs> 
Kevin, thank you for sharing with us. And as always, you've been a repeat guest on Superfast Business. There's a whole archive of your previous episodes way back, like way, way back. You, okay. you know, when you were a conversion king, I think back ah, then. This is like pre-copy chief. I think you probably pitched me on coming on my podcast back then. Yeah. You know, like we were barely friends. That's awesome. That's exciting. We've become fantastic friends now. And I think the field you're in is just getting stronger. The other thing that I firmly believe, and I've been making recommendations for anyone who asks, I think you'll get a return on investment with Copy Chief membership because if you can tune your own copy as the business owner, perfect. If you feel stretched or it's not your thing or whatever, then you've got a bevy of copywriters at your fingertips to help out and and to critique things, frameworks you can give your team. You've got uh, contractors of various types doing everything from video sales letters through to social media ads. And you've got a lot of the King Kongs in our online marketing industry in there sourcing. You know, that's their feeding trough, so to speak, of supply. Yeah, yeah. Hiring writers and contributing too. People like Dean Jackson and Paris Lampropolis, Marcella Allison, Laura Belgray, who is a special trainer, guest trainer in January. People that I'm a fan of, a huge fan of. And I get to jam with them on, you know, dig into what they're doing in their process. It's been a thrill for me. I consider myself like I'm the Dave Grohl of copywriting, you know, where I, I want to come and rock the crowd. But I love jamming with my heroes even more, you know. It's just a thrill. And, uh, man, you know, I'm having a blast, dude. Thank you so much. Well, if you've enjoyed this episode, head over to Superfast Business. It's episode 713. Share it with someone who you think needs to hear this message. And, uh, Kevin, catch you on the next one. Thank you, friend. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.